When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Third down and seven. Here's one for Ken. That play is not there, and it is picked by Anthony Harris. Good coverage. Harris on the return back inside Saints territory. Um, coming into last year, getting my first time to you know, get some time to go out there and play, I was really excited. You know, I felt like I was one of the best. Said it last year, you know, I was a Pro Bowl caliber, top tier player. And then going into this year, you know, it was all about just going out and proving that. So I think, you know, based off you looking at the numbers, you know, looking at the film, that I'm the best safety. So um, I'm just excited to, you know, move forward and continue to play football and showcase my talent. That's Anthony Harris there. Matthew Collar now transitioning here over to Purple Daily. But I want to start off the show making a couple of comparisons between what the Wolves are doing and where the Minnesota Vikings are at. Uh, Alex Boone, former NFL left guard with me. What's up, Alex? I'm doing great. How are you? Let's, uh, why don't you just break down uh, the uh, basketball trades, Alex? Go ahead. Not a clue. <laughs> don't even watch it. Don't even care about basketball, to be oh, honest with you. Okay, I knew that. But here's the comparison. Here's the two comparisons that I want to make. So what the Wolves are doing right now is they're shredding the roster. They're trading everybody okay. and they're bringing in new blood. Fire in, sale in the form of well, not exactly. It's like a half fire sale, but it's also bringing in another star player in D'Angelo Russell. So it's really a complete clearing out of the roster around their one star player and then bringing in all new guys to say, all right. What we had going wasn't working, so this isn't a retooling. This is a complete clearing out and bringing in new players who are of the star level of the guys that they got rid of, but they think it's going to be different because of who they're bringing in. But Hmm. the point that we've been talking about for the last two hours on the show is whether the star player that they're building it around can ever really get them where they want to go. Does this start to sound familiar now? Uh, And I got an email comparing... Carl Anthony Towns, who you don't know much about, uh, to Hmm. Kirk Cousins. Now, I'll I'll let you know about Carl Anthony Towns, Alex, so you can understand the comparison. Great stats, no winning. Uh, Doesn't play Hmm. defense, has some fundamental flaws in his game, and then it's compared or or combined with... I would say like softness uh, is kind of maybe a rude way to put it, but um, not the most burning desperately to win basketball games guy. 
like a star player gotcha. who puts up big points, but he's been on the floor for 16 straight losses, which you know, Alex, at least enough to know about basketball, that stars usually dominate. There's only five players out there. They play the whole game, so usually they dominate. And I think right. there's somewhat of a fair comparison there with Kirk Cousins and Carl Anthony Towns. Kirk is more professional than Carl Anthony Towns has been. Um, but the idea that someone has fundamental flaws in their game and that you have to reshuffle everything around them every couple of years because there's always some other answer than the glaring thing in front of you, which is the quarterback, I think would be the comparison here. Well, I guess that would be fair. Uh, I, yeah, okay. I'm so, confused as to okay, what you're asking. Okay, so the question then for you is, is Kirk Cousins like that? Is that yeah. fair to make that comparison to say that the fundamental flaws of the most important position, the most valuable position, are too great at, for the Minnesota Vikings to put anything else around it that will help you overcome it and get where you want to go? No, that's not true. Football is very different. You can put pieces in front of him to protect him, or you can give him more weapons around him to make him become more lethal on the field. I mean... Football is so – but the problem becomes always the same thing as the cap because eventually you have to start putting in a lot of money in certain positions. Like, you know, like we had talked in the email you'd send out about all the cap space. Like, if you have that much cap space, you really don't even have that much if you're looking at it. You're like, wow, $40 million, you don't even have that much money anymore. That's not what it used to be. So could you do it? You could, but it, the chances in all likelihood of actually getting it to the point to where Kirk Cousins would be comfortable enough in a pocket to go out and not freak out in the fourth quarter or, you know, you have to worry about him taking a hit. That's the biggest problem when you're talking about Kirk is you have to keep him calm for four full quarters. Like, you can't be ever a part where it's like, oh, my God, he kind of went off the deep end. It's okay. Okay, he'll bring himself back around. No, you have to keep him through this the entire way. Like, hey, we're good the entire time. Those are the games that he comes out and has great numbers. Those are the games that everyone's like, man, he played great. Yeah, nobody really pressured him. The offensive line played great. The run game really complimented him. Everything looked really good. But then all of a sudden you get in the game where he gets hit in the second quarter and you're like, uh-oh. I don't know where this is going to go, even with all the weapons around him. And even with you know the offensive line that he has and the philosophy of their offense. So I don't know that I would say that. Yeah, and I think that uh, with Carl Anthony Towns who you have never seen play basketball, uh, the issue is often just effort and how bad he wants it, where you see other great NBA players pushing it every single night, demanding to win, demanding the basketball at the end of games, stuff like that. I don't think that's necessarily Kirk's issue. It's It goes along with what you're saying with when he gets taken out of a game, can he find it in him to fight back? And often it, it isn't, but I also think that that's not so much connected to heart as it is in basketball as it is that he can't like find that extra gear. It doesn't exist. Like This is a guy who has maximized every ounce of his talent as a fourth-round pick out of Michigan State. To, you know, he's, he's the most prepared guy out there. He's, got, uh, he's eating the best food and doing the best workouts, and he's going to meet with uh, you know, P.J. Fleck and all these other people to try and learn as much as he can about sports landscape and, and leadership and all these things. So he's doing everything he possibly can to maximize his talent. But there's a shortcoming in that he can't move around particularly well. And he's not so quick at diagnosing things like Jimmy G, where you said he hits his back foot and the ball is gone. Well, that's not really the case with Cousins. He holds on to the ball quite a bit um, and doesn't have the stupendous arm strength to throw sidearm 50 yards down the field like Patrick Mahomes. And so in, in a lot of ways, I look at Cousins and I, and I think it's different than Carl Anthony Towns because Towns has all the talent in the world as the number one overall pick, but also the same that I'm not sure you can ever get enough to put around him with the amount of money he demands. You're talking about Kirk? Talking about Kirk, right. 
I think you could. It's so hard to compare number one basketball to football because the guys in basketball play offense and defense. Mm-hmm. And can we just say, yeah. I don't understand why those guys don't play defense. Is it, are they trying to conserve energy for the offensive okay, side? I can, I can help you with this. Okay, I would love to know. Uh, well, one, the offenses are so good at scoring and so good at moving the basketball that even if you're trying on defense, it's really, really hard. So it's not even um, worth it. And, and there are plenty of guys in the NBA who make a massive impact with their defense, and the guys who put in that much effort on defense, which is what everyone wants from Carl Anthony Towns, those guys usually win a lot, like Jimmy Butler or Rudy Gobert from uh, Utah, like the great defensive players. It is a huge impact if you're really good at it. It's just... It's like playing corner in the NFL now. Like, oh, you gave up five passes in your direction. Well, I sure did because all the rules go toward passing and the quarterbacks are amazing. Right. It's a little bit of that. I think it's, you know, it's one of those things where you see 120 points. You go, I guess they didn't play defense. And then you watch Steph Curry hit a three from the logo. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, guess you gotcha. can't defend that. Anyway. Right. No, I'm with you. Uh, there's, no, there's not enough to put around Kirk to win it because you think that he's somewhat what, I don't know what would be fundamentally the flawed. It would be fundamentally the way I flawed. I have a question. At what point do we turn around and go, listen, you guys paid for this. You're just not using it correctly. Like at some point, the coaches have to become problem too, right? Because Kirk came in and he commanded this huge contract, and this wasn't the only team that was going to pay him. If I'm not mistaken, the Jets were going to pay him more to go there, but he was like, no, no, no. I want to go to Minnesota. I'm going to love it there with Mike Zimmer. So he comes here. And now all of a sudden, everyone's like, well, we're not really sure what to do with them. We know what to do with them. Keep them on the move. Keep them bootlegging. Keep them running around. And the problem becomes when you have him standing back there. And, yeah, I get it. There's times where he's going to handicap himself. He can't run around the pocket. He has no mobility Like when it comes to being chased. When it's designed, that's different because you're naturally just going to move that way and you've done it so many times. But I think that... I agree with you. No matter what you put around him, eventually you're going to have to be like, listen, dude, you have the ball. You have to make the plays. Right. And can he do that? <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that make me want to say yes and so many things that make me want to say no. Like when, when Dalvin's playing really well, yes, he can be a fixture in this offense. He can be one of the main guys. When the offensive line's playing well and the ball's getting out quickly and C.J. Ham becomes an outlet a couple times and all of a sudden everyone's having a good time, he's amazing. The problem becomes that little, little – hiccup and to me as a football player a former player and a guy who remembers going through the Super Bowl and remembers going through the playoffs it was the quarterbacks that didn't really have that hitch in their giddy up that got us through there that got us all the way there and then the minute that people like started to look around and be like man this is great that's when we started to trip up or when guys tried to do too much I think that sometimes that's his biggest flaw I know for a fact that he is one of the smartest guys on the field. I've talked to him several times. We used to be in the PA together, so we would talk about certain issues. He was mm-hmm. extremely relatable, super smart. I think the problem is he tries to do too much. And then all of a sudden, all eyes look at him. Like The minute something goes wrong, everybody looks at him like, dude, fix it. He's not that guy. Mm-hmm. He's not, you know, he's like... He can't be the guy that go in there and be like, listen, man, I got the answer to all these things. He's just like, listen, I got the answer to giving the ball to Dalvin or getting the ball to you on my back foot. But if you're not open, all of a sudden I'm running around and scrambling for my life. So can you put enough pieces around him to get him to get over the hump and be the guy to actually carry the team through the playoffs and win the Super Bowl? I'm kind of with you, man. I don't think so because of that little hitch that he has. Well, and that's the thing is that there's a difference between – talking about whether Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback and whether he's worth spending 15% or 16% of your cap. It's a on. lot. That, right. That's the, that's the two different conversations that I always want to make clear because Kirk Cousins is an excellent quarterback. He's great. He was a ton yeah. of talent. Right. And, and was 
um, just putting up great numbers this year, and I've, I've referenced a million times the the PFF grades and everything else that everything matches up to. Yeah, he had a really good year, and he's a very good quarterback. And there's only a handful of quarterbacks in the entire NFL since he became a starter who have higher quarterback ratings than he does. But when we're coming off of the Super Bowl and we're facing such a huge decision to be made, it just made me think about the Wolves are going all in with their superstar who's flawed. And the Vikings went all in with their superstar that's flawed. And for both organizations, it's been kind of the same results. The Vikings have been a little more successful with one playoff win. But if you said when you signed Kirk Cousins, hey, what do you think of one playoff win in two years? I think Vikings fans would have went, excuse me? That's it? One playoff win in two years? Because they were sold that he was the final piece. And I I was thinking about the fear that we have of replacing somebody who's good uh, and feeling like you can never find good again because bad might also exist there. And, you know, Gus Farratt was on the show yesterday. I don't know if you know Gus at all, but he's great. And just, you know, we kind of broke it all down. But Gus's career made me think about... You know, him and the Vikings in 2008 making the playoffs with Gus Farad and Tavares Jackson as the quarterbacks. They made the playoffs one year with Christian Ponder at quarterback and kind of got, you know, the same results that you're getting with Kirk Cousins, where you're 8 7 and 1, then you're 10 and 6, and you win one playoff game. And that I, I would say to both organizations that being afraid of whatever out there exists beyond your centerpiece or beyond your star, um, can get you into trouble sometimes, I think. I agree. I think that sometimes, <laughs> I think the problem becomes eventually people are not satisfied with the 10 and 6 year, as they shouldn't be. Like, eventually you have to win the Super Bowl. Eventually you have to go all in for it. And I think the problem that people are having is that they're looking back going, man, did we really go all in for this? Mm-hmm. This, was, this, was, this was our all-in chips. Like, we threw it all in on this, and all of a sudden we, like you said, have one playoff win to show for it. I like I like the retooling of football. I think it's great when you interject new blood, especially in the in key parts. The part that I think people worry most about is quarterback because that's one of your main fixtures on your team. And if you're if you're look at the Vikings, when it's off, it's off. You can just tell as a fan, as a as a former player, as whatever it is. When the quarterback is not in sync with the rest of the team, it just looks glaringly bad. And you're like, wow, that is not what we thought we were going to get out of this, but it's okay. We can work around it. We can retool. We can hopefully rely on this piece or that piece. When the truth is, you should be like, no, man, we expected him to win the games, not everybody else around him. We wanted Kirk to come in and take this game over and win it. We didn't need Dalvin to do it. If we wanted Dalvin to do it, we'll pay Dalvin, but we paid Kirk to do it, and now all of a sudden the ball's not getting out like we thought it would. These plays aren't happening like we thought they would, and we have star receivers. We have a great tight end. We have a great running back, and we have nothing to show for it. So people do at the end of the day go, dude, if we're going to go in for some new blood, maybe we should go all in for real this time and get some great pieces around him and protect him, especially because the one thing about Kirk that I've always known is if you get to him early, it's over. Mm-hmm. So you can't put out an offensive line that you're like, well, we're pretty confident this is going to be okay. You need to be like, listen, we are 100% sure this guy's going to be safe back here. We are like nothing to worry about. That was another thing that looking back was probably like, oh, we probably should have solved that a little bit more too. Yeah, and, and so that's that leads to my next question for you. And then I want to get to a maybe possibly fiery take about Dalvin Cook. Um, Love it. Or, or an, an idea to make a contract extension for Dalvin Cook work. I'll get to that in just a second. But – is there a way to build the team around Cousins to cover up the weaknesses, to enhance the strengths more than they already did this year? Yes. 
Absolutely. You have most of the pieces you need. You just need one more piece up front, and you're good. I really do believe that you can... Is this left guard bias? Yes, totally left guard (laughs) bias. I mean, tell me what's wrong. Like, uh, Let's assume that, like we said before, that Rick goes to Diggs and says, listen, bro, here's the deal. You're playing. Get over it. Show up. So now you've got two fabulous receivers. You've got two fabulous tight ends. You have two fabulous running backs, and you've got a quarterback that might choke in the playoffs, but you can rely on other people. Get that one piece up front. Go back and fix the defense. And there you go. You, I'm, we're not saying that he's going to be handicapped forever. Yeah, eventually you're going to get down to the road, especially with Kubiak. Like I've, There's something about Kubiak that just makes me feel a little more reassured. I don't know if it's the fact that he's got so much more experience. And I'm not saying Stefanski wasn't in the league for a long time because he's been with the Vikings for a long, long, long time. But what I'm saying is Kub's been in the top for a long, long time. And he knows what it's like. And he's going to be that guy to be like, hey, man, listen. I've been in on this rodeo. All right, mm-hmm. let me get the heat off of you, and let me put it on somebody else real quick. This guy's burning hot. Let's let him be the focal point, and then we'll come back to you later. He did it with Peyton Manning. Remember when Peyton was throwing like 15 yards in the dirt, and people were like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, dude, what's going yeah. on? What did yeah. he say? Hey, listen, calm down. Let's bring this other kid in for a minute. We'll bring you right back. It won't be a big deal. And then all of a sudden, everybody forgot about that. This is the guy that they need to get over the hump. He's going to be the quarterback whisperer for this team. But you've got to fix that O-line because it's the one thing that's so deadly about him. It's the fact that he might get panicked, I think, is what ruins these games more than anything. And I think that's a great point. And if you look at – so this year, the Vikings threw a lot less. So some of their no. raw, yeah, I know, right? Breaking news. <laughs> uh, but there's a point to that: is the sack numbers weren't too bad, and the pressure overall, number of times he was pressured, the raw number wasn't that bad. But the percentages, the percentage per dropback that he was sacked, and percentage that he was uh, pressured, was about the same as it was in 2018. They just handed it to Delvin way more and, and relied on that. So there wasn't much that was changed by bringing in a first-round rookie, and it might change next year when he improves. Um, but my issue here is, where does it come from? Like, I, I totally agree with you that the PFF had the Vikings ranked as 27th out of 32 with pass blocking, and I do not disagree with that ranking. Uh, but... You have a left tackle who you can move on from and possibly bring someone else in. You can use the 25th overall pick. And we're going to get to how we want to allocate um, the dollars into different places. But could you this year do enough? And then you know, is that a point down the road, too, where you say, well, if we make it a priority to rebuild the offensive line through draft picks, high draft picks, find more Brian O'Neill's, then Kirk will be able to succeed more, not necessarily statistically, but just have more consistently good games. Absolutely. And, and I know you're all about this drafting a left tackle. I am so against drafting offensive linemen, just because I feel like, especially for a guy like Kirk. Like, Undrafted say, bias. <laughs> Undrafted left guard bias here is what we're hearing no, from you. No, because listen, <laughs> when you get those young guys in these games, especially against a Khalil Mack, are you really going to tell me that I just told you the number one problem of your quarterback? But you know what? You have the best solution. Let's go get the youngest guy possible to protect the left side against Khalil Mack at the biggest down of the biggest game of the biggest year. Like, dude. No. You're going to go out and you're going to look, or you're going to try and find a trade. You're going to find somebody older that you're like, listen, you know what you're doing. You've been down this road. We need you to help us protect the guy behind you. That's all we need you to do. Just do that, and this offense will succeed. There's no question that you know when you draft a young guy, there is a learning curve, especially because I'm telling you, offenses in college compared to the NFL, it's like night and day. 
I mean, college was so easy. And then you come into this new world, and it's like, listen, that's just the game plan for this week. Next week, it flips. We go back to the other version of it. You're like, what? There's three different game plans? Who even knew this stuff? Like, who knew these guys had to be so smart? And then on top of it, don't worry, Akeem Hicks is just five yards off the ball getting ready to run down your face. I don't think that's the answer. Now, the what, problem what is... What if I told you this, though? What if I told you they were definitely signing Cousins to a contract extension? Like, that is 100% locked. Does that change your... Uh, sort of viewpoint on drafting more offensive linemen if you are taking a long-term approach with Cousins? No, but here's my question, and I asked you this the other day. Is Cousins going to demand more? Can you demand more? You mean, That's my you mean money? or Yeah. Can, as, can, when Kirk Cousins hits free agency, he can obviously do whatever he wants. But theoretically and reasonably, if you were a GM and Kirk Cousins was like, I want $40 million a year, would you look at him like you're a little crazy? Uh, I think I would, but I would understand where he was coming from because when you compare it to what the price to play poker out there, I mean, what's that, what's Dak going to get? You know, I mean, not forty. Is he going to get thirty-five though? And is the I mean, if there is there a big difference between thirty-five and forty at this point? You know, I, I think that, much. but but Dak had a way different year. Zeke didn't do anything this last year. Dak had to really do a lot, and yeah. he had to carry yeah. his team at a lot of times. That's why I'm saying. I think you think signing Kirk to a long-term deal is going to be like a $200 million deal. Dude, he didn't win the Super Bowl. He's not the MVP. When we're looking at this game, I'd be like, hey, we're going to take a little price cut, right? Like, we Oh, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, no chance. No, oh, no chance? No, I think there's no chance if you're him because what's he going to say and what's his agent going to say? Well, we didn't win anything in D.C., and they gave us 84 mil and made me the richest player in the history of this league. So okay. why wouldn't someone else do it again? And that's what you're going to tell the Vikings. Someone, can I be the GM? someone else will get desperate, right? Can I, can I be the GM when you say that to me? Uh-huh. Yep, where's Where's Bruce Allen at now? Yeah, Who, right. Who's running that team? He's uh, fired. Exactly. McFireton. Right. Yeah. If I'm the GM, I'm looking at him going, "Listen, dude, you still haven't got over that hump yet. Like, I'm still waiting. I get it. Anybody can play great against the Falcons. I get that. They didn't even block the middle linebacker coming off the, the edge the first play of the game. Like everybody pretended like they didn't even see him, dude." I'll do that. What are you going to do in crunch time? That's what you're paying all these guys for. This is what you're paying guys for. Listen, you've done this. This is your resume. Kirk, I get it. You've thrown up great numbers. But so have a lot of irrelevant quarterbacks in this league. Throwing up a lot of irrelevant numbers that mean nothing to nobody. So when you're talking about an extension, it's like, hey, man, we spotted you a lot of money in the front. If you're going to come with us in the back end, you're coming down a little bit because this is clearly not the show we thought you were. And, yeah, you're great, and you can get us to the Super Bowl and even win it, but you're going to need pieces around you. And in order to do that, you better start thinking like Tom Brady. Hey, man, listen, I don't need the money. I need the pieces around me. I want to win. Like, winning is so addicting that I get sometimes people get caught up in these contracts. But as a team, you need to be thinking about priority number one, winning. How do we do that at the cheapest possible rate? Well, see, this is a great point that you're making is that when they eventually get to that point where they sit down with Cousins and his people and – uh, the Vikings, and they say, look, you, you got one playoff win here. Then Kirk's going to run a bunch of numbers out there. I got this number. Kirk. I got this number. I got this, right? And, and, and that's where it becomes such a difficult decision for the Vikings because they don't know who's next. They want to win now with Zimmer. You don't hire Gary Kubiak to rebuild the team, right? So you're going to be asking yourself, well, what might be next, and can that be better than this? And Kirk's going to say, yeah. of course it can't. Um, but Kirk knows, though. He's savvy enough to know, and so is his representation, that if he runs this thing to the end, that 
there will be teams who offer him exactly how much money he wants because it already happened, and there's going to be that other team that goes, you know what, we could just give him another receiver and the lineman, right? I mean, you know that there's going to be one team that does that. So the Vikings, will have, I think the Vikings, if they want to keep Cousins, have to pay full price. <laughs> not a chance. If I'm Rick Spielman, I'm not paying full price. I'm so, I'll pay Dalvin full price. Yeah. I'll pay. I'll pay everybody else full price. But you're taking a pay cut. Bro. Listen, you want to. You really want to stir the pot, dude. If I were Rick, this is what I would do. I would go draft a quarterback, and I would trade up to get him. And I'd be like, "Yeah, you think I'm playing? <laughs> win it this year, or you're gone. Like we paid you to win a Super Bowl. You either win it this year, and we'll extend you and figure out what we're going to do with this guy, or." You'll just be moving on. Like that. Sometimes you have to play a little hardball, and you got to really spark things. That's why I said I always believed in new blood at the end of the year because it would shake it up. Mm-hmm. You get these random guys in these rooms. You'd be like, who is that guy? I don't know, but he looks huge and he looks good. So now we all got to be serious, right? Because it was the guy that was just training for two years straight to be in the NFL, and they finally brought him in, and now we're all like beat up and crumbled, and we're like, who is that guy? What is going on? All right. You know, that's what, how you get these teams to be competitive, and – don't be surprised if they go for a quarterback. I mean, that could really that could really stir some pots though, because you never know how Kirk would react to that, you know? I mean, that's the biggest thing is sometimes those quarterbacks can be a little fragile and you start throwing stuff at glass and sometimes it'll shatter. So the best part of this is that you and I are on the exact same page with how to Love handle it. this negotiation. If oh, it's yeah. if it's gonna be full price, then it's a really, really difficult contract to sign because of what you have to put around him to make it work. Right, and that, and and that, drafting and look that, at the defense, dude. You really need to. And I know we are like, don't pay the defense, but they're going to be guys that are leaving and that you're going to need. And Declan said he was he had a crazy thought. And the more I think about it, the more you're like, man, that's actually not a bad thought. Like. <laughs> You're going to have to spend some serious money on the defense. So can you say to Kirk, hey, listen, we can give you exactly what you want, pay the defense, and give everybody else around you what they want? No, it can't happen. Right. So someone has to come down. Yep, and I don't think that's going to be Kirk. And that will, I guess we'll see how desperate the Vikings are to keep him as their quarterback because I think they're going to have to pay out. And they could mess around with his cap hit for this year, but long term it's going to be that 15 16 to 20% of the salary cap um, maybe they're banking on the cap going up when they go to 17 games. I don't know. That's another variable that's out there. But, I mean, if that's what you're risking it on, I don't know if that's a that's great a idea. Uh, when we come back, I've got an idea to make Delvin Cook's contract extension work. Like, to make it, it not just, hey, he's a running back, but something else that could make it worth it when a lot of other running back contracts aren't. Uh, we'll bring that up when we return. Alex Boone, Matthew Collar, you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, and Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local Federated Marketing Representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to Purple Daily in just a moment. But first, join Score North's Rami Maklov and Team KSTP at this year's JDRF One Walk to create a world without type 1 diabetes. This Saturday, February 22nd, join our team or donate to Team KSTP over at scorenorth.com, keyword JDRF. The big news of the day, the Wolves were involved in the biggest deal of the day, trading Andrew Wiggins 
a, a top three protected 2021 first round pick and their 2021 second round pick for the Warriors. D'Angelo Russell, Jacob Evans, and Omari Spellman. Here's Adrian Wojnarowski on the jump talking about the Wolves finally getting their guy. Gerson Rosa, since he took over as the president in Minnesota, he had targeted D'Angelo Russell. He, he chased him in summer free agency uh, and, and stayed on him throughout this year. He has wanted to pair him with Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns wanted to have D'Angelo Russell as his point guard. And now he has him, and Andrew Wiggins goes to Golden State. Wasn't the only deal the Wolves made today. According to Johnny K, the Wolves traded Gorgie Jang off to Memphis for James Johnson, who's coming to the Wolves. That's been your score North Donald. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Matthew Collar and Alex Boone back here. From 4 to 6, Mackie and Judd with Rami will be having a celebration that Andrew Wiggins is no longer a Minnesota Timberwolf. I'm sure he's a great guy, but he... Uh, was the ultimate up and down and more down than up. And uh, no matter who tried or what they tried to put around him or who they tried to get to motivate him, it just was not a thing that would happen. Um, so he is you now in Golden State. Well, um, You guys are really upset. You know, when a team loses, what are we on now, 12 or 13 games in a row, 13. and it's been how many the years? The probability of losing that many is almost yeah, I hard, know. I feel like. I know. In the, like, it, it, I'm sure gambling experts in Vegas would be like oh, man, no way how did that happened <laughs> like that usually i mean especially when you have like quote unquote star players but i tend to argue that they have alleged star players rather than stars but they'll get into that a little later because oh, uh, i have something to bring up with you about delvin cook do it um so i was looking through some numbers uh yeah which you love and mm-hmm. i'm excited to tell you about and so there's a statistic called expected points added which, let me just set this up for you so it makes sense in football terms. If okay. you're at the 50-yard line and you throw a swing pass to Delvin Cook and he shreds three tackles and he runs for 15 yards to the 35, your expectation of scoring, the percentage chance you think of scoring points, shoots through the roof to go from the 50 to the 35. Okay. All, all of a sudden you're feeling like touchdown is possible, field goal, worst-case example. Well, the statistics back that up. So if you take every play that a player is involved with and look at how many times they got you closer to scoring, um, then you get an expected points added. So how much better they would have been if you, say, you know, spiked the ball or something. Okay? So does that yeah. make some sense? Yeah. Um, now, uh, Delvin Cooks was similar to Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs in the passing game. So meaning passes that went to Delvin Cook were as valuable as Diggs and Thielen, which is super rare. And the only other running back that I could find who was similar was, well, at least this year, was Christian McCaffrey, who had a a similar impact that was receiver-like in getting you closer to scoring. Yeah, incredible. So... There's a conversation that's going to go on forever in this offseason about Delvin Cook and whether to sign him to a contract extension. Mm-hmm. Todd Gurley might be on the trade block. David Johnson might get cut. Devontae oh, he's cut. Freeman has been a disappointment. These guys who signed contracts it hasn't worked out super well for lately for running backs. I think if you make it a plan, a resolution in 2020 to throw the ball to Delvin Cook 100 times, and not run him 200 times, but use Alexander Madison more for the ground and pound, the stuff that wears down these running backs, that Cook makes such an impact in the passing game, it would be worth it if that was the plan, to really enhance using him in the passing game and dial back on how often you're just slamming him up the middle. It's hard. 
That's hard to do, dude. That's so hard to be like, listen, we're going to throw him a screen pass. We're not going to let him run his favorite play. <laughs> I mean, I get that you want to like save his legs and you want to save the wear and tear, but let's not forget what the number one rule is in football, to win the game. And however you got to do that, you got to do that. Now, his numbers are stupid sick because his screen pass game is incredible. Like you said, his swing route's incredible because when you get ahead of steam and you're going that fast, you don't even have to sidestep anybody. You just run through people. And that's what makes him so dangerous is that he's one of those guys that can catch a flare out and you're like oh my god this could be dangerous like a play that should be two three yards could be 15 easily if he just doesn't blink I mean that's incredible but you talked about it (laughs) the running backs are getting left behind and look at the ones that you just named two years ago people would have been like dude you're crazy these guys are the next generation now they're like who David Johnson is he still (laughs) on the Cardinals like dude they they're gone they're done with that and the problem becomes then you have so much wear and tear on these guys that it's like, well, that was their career. That was the short end of it. And it's a, it's a nasty position. And if you're good at it, yeah, you're like Zeke and you can get paid. But even he had a tough time this year. You know, Eventually yep. people have your number. And I think that that's really going to turn so many people away because it's going to end up being one of these, you know, we can do it with three young guys as opposed to one main guy. Like Derrick right. Henry's going to get paid from somebody. There's no question. Le'Veon Bell got paid. Derrick Henry will get paid. His success, he, dude, he could change the game forever. Who knows? The problem becomes when you look back at the rest of the guys that got paid, it's just not a good track record. And people tend to look at that and go, do I want to be the next team to make that silly mistake? You know? Right. Yes. You're 100% correct. And I but was, we love Delvin. Don't exactly. He's so, he's so good, and he's making such a huge impact in the passing game, which I think is ultimately way more valuable than what you do in the running game or, or way more hard to replace. Let me put it that way. It's super valuable to have a guy who's going to average four and a half to five yards a carry. It's just that there are a lot of guys who generally, or even in a rotation, can do that if you have a good offensive line at run blocking, you have a great scheme, which we know the Vikings will have with Rick Dennison. But when you're talking about guys who can rack up 80, 90 catches, who you can target 100 times, that's where you usually only talk about special players. And I was thinking about Marshall Falk and how good Marshall Falk was into his late 20s and even slightly early 30s. But usually what we're talking about with running backs is late 20s. And if Delvin signed a contract extension for five years, let's say you know three of them are where most of the money is at, you're talking about taking him from age 24, 25 to 28, 29, which is usually the fringe end of where running backs sort of stop being super valuable, unless they're your buddy Frank Gore, in which he just can still do it when he's however old he is now. Um, but, you know, late 20s, you could still be super effective. And I was looking at Marshall Falk, who I know is an all-time great player, but when he was playing on those Rams teams, they were throwing him the ball 100 times every single year, and he continued to be super effective by having a workload, yeah, but not the same kind of workload that just getting hammered up the middle over and over and over again. I think that's where you rack up a lot of injuries. So if you were to tell me that instead of 250 carries, Delvin Cook gets 150, but 100 targets, then I think it might be worth it to do that because he's so exceptional in the passing game. I'm glad you said that because here's what I'm thinking. You already said it, right? We're going to drop him 100 carries. Do the defenses really fear you that much anymore? Do we play base as much? Maybe we play you nickel now. You're just going to throw him the ball? Dude, you've played right into our wheelhouse. Or do they follow like a moth to flame and just if you put two tight ends out there, they're like must-have linebacker? I don't think they're that dumb because I think that eventually your tendencies are going to show. You're not going to be handing him the ball as much. You're going to be throwing it to him. By game three or four, teams are going to go, all right, you know what? 
start at nickel, make them prove it to us now. Like, that's what you don't want. You want them starting in base like, God, please don't run the ball. Right. Yeah. Just don't. Yep. Like, that is so – I mean, imagine what I just said. That's your whole game plan. Them looking at you like, please, God, just don't run the ball. Okay? Don't, don't hand it to them. <laughs> you want to throw it to them? Dude, we'll find excellent linebackers. Excellent linebackers are starting to show up everywhere now. These guys that can cover and tackle and hit and want to be crazy, dude, they're coming around now. So if you want to use him as that, well, now you're looking at a whole new offense, I feel like, because now people are going to technically look at you and go, are you really going to run it as much as you say you're not going to? Like, wait, If the game was on the line and you know that handing it to Dalvin in the second half would, would get you the win, would you eventually abandon your own game plan? You know what I'm saying? Like, Eventually, at what time are you like, Dalvin, we were just kidding? We're going to hand you the ball 300 times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, and that's another thing is if you are going to get away from the run game, I mean, what does he say about that? I mean, that's, there's so many questions to ask yourself, but I don't think you would have the same offense as you have now because now it's we're going to beat the living piss out of you until you don't want it, and then we're <laughs> going to throw it over you. Now you're just changing it to, well, we're going to kind of change it up, so we're still going to give him the ball, but we're not going to hand it to him. He's not going to have that head of steam at times. He's just going to catch and turn and run. Like, now you're kind of killing this guy. Okay, so now here's my question, though. Do you get closer to winning by keeping Delvin Cook at 150 carries and 100 passing targets per year and having Alexander Madison, who averaged four and a half yards a carry last Who's year, good. Yeah. handle a ton more of the running and, and mix it up with whoever else? I mean, if you like Mike Boone, then go with Mike Boone or get somebody else in the draft or whatever you want to do to have that rotation for running and have Delvin even line up in the slot sometimes or run a jet Ooh. sweep sometimes or whatever. Ooh. Like Get real creative with him as opposed to a traditional running back where he's just carrying the ball over and over and over again. Do you get closer to winning by that or letting him go and rolling the dice on whatever ends up in your backfield after that? No, because you know what? You got me thinking now, dude. Like a flex back. Oh, my God. You know I love me a flex back out there. Who doesn't love a flex back? Dude, a guy that can catch, a guy that can do the reverses. Like a, kind of like almost like a Debo Samuel, but in a running, true running back form. Dude, listen. If you were to do that, think about this. If you were to really be like, hey, legitimately, we're going to take away some of your carries, but don't worry. We're going to give it to Alexander Madison, Mike Boone, whoever. Then all of a sudden you start to have both of best worlds, right? Like you have Dalvin, who's incredible, and he's in the backfield. Someone eventually is going to be like, all right, we're, he, he could get handed the ball. Like, maybe they're just messing with us. So maybe I'm thinking more like seven or eight week that they're like, all right, we'll play you nickel. But you could have two other guys in there too, like take a little bit of this load off of him, add it to these guys. So now you got to have like a running back by committee with your big superstar back there too. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. And, and, and Madison and Ooh. Cook on the field at the same time. This was Ooh. a thing that really didn't happen much with Latavius Murray, and I thought it should have. Yes. Like why, why, yes. I mean, how about Bo Jackson and uh, Marcus Allen on the field at the same time? Like, you know, having two more great players on the field is not a bad idea. And just looking yes. through the running backs who have bucked the trend long term, they almost always have this element to them. Even Matt Forte is a good example, a yeah. guy who. Great late, for it. Right. Late in his career, he had 100 catches at age 29 and ran for over 1,000 yards. Now, he was still getting over 200 carries, but he wasn't a 300-carry guy in a time in the NFL where they love to give 300 carries to their running backs and ruin them by age 27. If you're talking about you get to keep a great player and he has longevity and he has an impact in the passing game where you can help win, and let's say you do move on from Kirk Cousins, well, what's the best thing you can ever give to a rookie quarterback? 
a swing pass that goes yeah. behind the line of scrimmage and turns into 15 yards. Absolutely, 100%. And then not only that, but you're taking a lot of the stress off him from running the ball, and you're giving it. And now that's another thing, too, is now you can go out and get a guy like a, oh, you know who I'm already thinking of, like a Mike Davis. Go out there and get a guy that's just going to run down your face, like love to get the ball like 50 times a year and be like, yes, I will do everything I can to get every single inch. Dude. Kind of like where your head's at. Yeah, okay. I'm glad I convinced you. I'm glad I brought you around. So now here's the question, though. <laughs> you come up to this, you start talking about, like, hey, listen, we're going to take away your carries. Do you think that would eventually hurt him in the contract? Like, hey, listen, we're also feeding two other monsters back here, too, now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you kind of take his role away from him a little bit. Well, and so you... my thing is, you sign him to the contract and then make that his role. So you sign him to a contract assuming he's going to make a bigger impact in the passing game, which is how you win. Right? That That's right. how I would be looking at it. Is It's it's even part of the negotiation of, all right, in order to get our full amount of money, you got to line up in the slot oh, sometimes, yeah. and, and you got to run a reverse sometimes. And you have, and, and I think he's willing to do this stuff. When he was at Florida State, he played outside receiver from time to time. I mean, he would do anything for them, and the Vikings just have not done that a lot with him, in part because I think Mike Zimmer loves an I-form handoff. Up the <laughs> um, and, yeah. and he is so effective in the running game, and it does set up the play action and all that. But it's been shown statistically that you can still succeed play action even if you don't have the greatest running game. So I don't think that the impact there is as huge as we make it out to be. Hey, your guy Sam Bradford in 2016 was one of the best play action passers in the league, and it was the, what, 32nd ranked running game. So yeah, but- it still works. <sighs> There's not as many second and fours. I get it, but it's right. That's what I'm saying. Like, but if your if your drop off in actual running the football is from 4.8 yards per carry to 4.5 yards per carry, there is a difference in how it's viewed by the defense a little bit. But in terms of your actual production, not much. And if you're throwing to him more, then your production, your passing game goes up. Right, because like you were saying before, his passing numbers are stupid. Exactly. Yeah. No, I li- and you know what? I think when you talk about the creativity, number one, I mean, we joke about seeing him on a reverse, but. <laughs> Have you ever really seen him on reverse? Like that's a long way to run for a running back. Like, <laughs> it is. Yeah. That might like I kind of laughing because I could picture a few of them running. You'd be like, nah, dude, that doesn't look good. So, you know what? That's another question. Like, say you put him out there and it doesn't go as planned. Like, say he gets into the slot and it doesn't look mm-hmm. like you want it to look. Like he, yeah, he looks good taking a screen pass or he looks good taking a swing route. Those are different. Like you start running real routes, you're starting going against linebackers and people that are going to bump coverage you and start throwing yep, you around true. a little bit. You know, and then all of a sudden you got to think like defensive ends. They're going to be like, listen, man. Whatever happens, chip that dude before he goes out on his route. So now you got dudes hitting you all over. So it's like, man, what's what's the the least evil out here? Like we're trying to save his legs. We're trying to keep him for the long term. We're trying to make our offense also super effective. And I think when you talk about not having seen him do these things, I don't think it was Stefanski's time to be like, hey, listen, let's get exotic guys. Let's get right. crazy. You know, yeah. like that's just not him. But that's also not what I feel like Coops is going to do. Like I don't know if I see Coops being mm-hmm. crazy off the wall like uh, Andy Reid. Like, wait, who's who is that in the slot? Is right. that a guard? Or, or Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Right. Like those are guys that are they're not afraid to take risks because they've done it in the past and it's either succeeded so well that people have so much credibility for them or it failed miserably and they were quick to be like, listen, that's stupid. Let's not do that again. You know, right. so yep. Stefanski wasn't really, and to, to, to his credit, he didn't really have the head coach to be like, coach, now listen, we're going to put Dalvin out in the X. <laughs> right. We're yeah. going to put Thielen in the backfield. He'd be like, dude, Where's the power eye? Give me somebody that speaks power eye offense. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, so I've just been poking around while we've been talking on Pro Football Reference at, at the 
guys who lasted the longest in terms of like playing really well through their prime, and even somebody like Stephen Jackson or Brian Westbrook, and so, something you run into with almost every single one is that they're the guys who are catching tons of passes and getting 100 targets per year. So, uh, I mean, some of them back in the day, they were getting 300 carries too. So it's not like a hard and fast thing. You have to limit it. But I, I think it might be a little bit of a hack to the system where everyone's looking at these running backs and saying, you can't, you can't pay them. There's no possible way. My one hack to that system would be, but what if? But what right. if you decided to move him, not full James White, where you're actually a receiver who lines up in the backfield, which is a really clever innovation by the Patriots that they've used, but kind of like more in that direction. And someone like James White is a sneaky, super valuable player in the NFL that no one really talks about because they're like, oh, he's a scat back. And yep. so he catches 70 passes at nine yards a catch per year, and he's getting lots of first downs and everything else. Um, but we're kind of like, oh, that's just a check down to the running back. No big deal. Well, Delvin could be like a, a hyper version of that um, with a little more running mixed in. So that's my thought. Um, earlier today, I sent you an email, yes. um, a very large and convoluted email, which I'm sorry for, uh, laying out all the things the Vikings need in the offseason and mm-hmm. basically asked you, if I gave you $40 million, assuming that they um, cut Everson Griffin, traded Xavier Rhodes or cut Rhodes, cut Riley Reef, and did everything they needed to do to create that cap space, how would you allocate that $40 million in cap space? And so the list is long for what they need. A couple of corners, safety, three technique, left guard, left tackle, and a number three wide receiver. Tell me where you would decide to spend that money. Like you don't have to tell me where you're getting your bargain bin free agents right. or your number two draft picks or second rounders. But where was where would be the points where you would spend fifteen million dollars on your cap to keep Anthony Harris or sign Byron Jones or or, or where would you want to spend it this offseason to make this team better? For sure, cornerback. You got to bring in somebody. I mean, you need to bring in somebody that can lock down. I mean, you feel like every team now has a receiver that can just murder you and just. I mean, if this league is going in the passing direction, we've just talked about this. Like cornerback numbers are down because it is a passing league, and these guys are cannot be handsy at all. So I think if you're going to spend money on something that's quality, go for a cornerback. Also, we talked about this earlier in the show. You got to keep Kirk safe, and I think you have to. You're either going to for sure pay for a guard, or you're going to pay for a guard and a tackle, and you're going to be like, listen, we're done on offense. The rest of our assets have to go to the defense because. I like what it. I like what I've seen from the depth of the D line. I don't think you need to yeah. add anything there. I love Stephen Weatherly. I love uh, Jaleel Johnson. Like all those guys. I think that those guys actually overachieve and they're playing really, really well. And I think it's because a lot of obviously George Patton, what he's doing in that room, but not George Patton. I'm sorry. Uh, D line coach escapes me. Andre Patterson. Yeah. Andre Patterson. Sorry, I just saw his son the other day. Great guy. I love him. But I love what he's doing in that room. I don't think you need to go big in that room. Like I know people are like, dude, there's some guys out there right now like Jadavian Clowney that you could go get. But like, you have Daniil. You don't really need. I mean, at times I think you're going to need Barr to start stepping up in that role and being more of a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Like you have all the guys you need. You really need a cornerback. You need one offensive lineman. And I wouldn't be surprised if you go after a safety. After that, I think you draft Young for receiver. I love Young receivers. I think that they're extremely talented right now coming out of college. Second round is a treasure trove. Easily. Oh, bro. And they're so hungry to go out there and make a name for themselves. Every one of them. Because they know they're a dime a dozen. They're like, dude, listen, there's 100 receivers waiting outside this door to walk into this room. So I either have to put up my best foot forward or I need to get out of the way. 
So to me, you don't need to go after a big, high-priced, another diva, go there for a three-receiver. I think if you're looking at this, true corner, one true corner, one for sure alignment. And I like what Declan said earlier about maybe even letting go of Harry to keep Anthony. Like that's That goes back into your point. That would be super bold. That is a bold statement, but it's also like, hey, listen, we need to start kind of Belichicking our way out of this too. Mm-hmm. Like eventually yeah. guys start to get old. And I am the worst with change. When they used to let like guys like that go, you'd be like, dude, we are doomed. <laughs> like there's you could bring nobody else in to replace that guy's shoes. But then they found the next guy waiting. They were just like, yeah. calm down, dude. But because you don't see the potential, you just see what there is and you're like, you just let go one of the best safeties. But they're like, calm down, we had to. Like sometimes you have to move this. I, I kinda like that move. You you let go and you keep I think Anthony is the future of this. Like the kid is super talented. So I was looking at this in opposite way when I was filling out how you know I would allocate the funds, except for corner. You and I are 100% on the same Need page. Corner. If Byron Jones or Chris Harris wants to come to Minnesota, then get them some skis Which and ice might. fishing gear and bring them here. Um, because corners are worth it. Like They're worth that much money. And um, you know, if you want to have a true, like, great defense, I think you've got to have a Richard Sherman. You've got to have a Stephon Gilmore, somebody who's going, going to be a shutdown, at least one side of the field, or maybe even a shadow corner. And nickel corner is getting more and more valuable. We've seen that from Chris Harris. So I would spend a lot of money on the cornerback position to get someone great. And probably I'm into the idea of drafting a left tackle because I think it's a hard position long-term to fill. But if you were telling me, hey, we're moving on from Kirk after this year, so we're going all in. They're like, oh, Jason Peters, how healthy is your everything? Because like, mm. maybe if we get 10 games out of Jason Peters, that would be... Worth a lot, I think. Probably worth fifteen million dollars if you could if you could do that. So left tackle, I'm very much in on. But the position where we're a little differing is three technique defensive tackle, because I think that when I watch you know the the two teams in the Super Bowl, Chris Jones the way he dominated the second half of that game, and then the interior rushers, DeForest Buckner especially, is so good for San Francisco that quarterbacks who step up in the pocket have such an advantage against the Vikings last year that they didn't use to have when Tom Johnson was at that spot or Shreve Floyd was at that spot. It just felt very different. It felt like, oh, here comes Daniil off the edge, and whoop, the deck Prescott just stepped up and found Amari Cooper. Having that interior pressure, maybe not quite as valuable as having someone like Daniil Hunter, but I think it's up there. I agree with you, and I'm the first to say that interior pressure will destroy an offense because quarterbacks are not used to being stepped on in the front. Like normally, mm-hmm. they're used to stepping up. The minute you step on them, they're like they'll tell you two in the huddle. Like I've had a few quarterbacks be like, "Listen, man, you're getting way too close to me." You hear me? You're like, "Okay, got it. We're not gonna have it again." But what you do is you supplant that with these younger guys. Start putting these guys. Look, they've had they haven't had the pressure that they need in the interior, but they also have had enough success that you've seen from these young guys that you're like, man, these guys could really be something else. You need Barr to step up, though, too. You need to have him become more of a pass rusher and have him become more chaotic up front. And also, if you look at that game, a lot of it, too, towards the end was how exotic they became. You know, They started picking on the Niners and started looping guys and twisting guys and getting crazy. And Mike Zimmer is one of the most... Uh, notorious for being exotic and yeah, at times, yeah. you know, he was the one guy that brought the double A's and then learned how to drop them. And there's ways around that. And I think that when you're looking at it, you're like, man, Chris Jones, the end of that game, the way that they got after Jimmy, that was incredible. But a lot of it too was the back end was playing well. I think that this is one of the positions where the younger you go, 
the better it is because these young kids are fearless, man. They don't care. The older guys are so stuck in their routine, and I say that because as an offensive lineman, when you get a guy who I used to play several guys twice a year, and you would know all their tendencies, they'd never change. Like You were like, this guy can never change from what he is. But then you'd get somebody that was unpredictable, and you were like, I don't know what he's going to do, but I just know that he's going to go 100 miles an hour. You look at all these young kids now. They're out of control, man. They're everywhere. They're in the B gap. They're in the A gap. They don't know where they're supposed to be. They're losing contain. <laughs> But at times they're making up for it with their athleticism. Like that's what's so cool about all this is you're like, hey, listen, just go be an athlete. Just go, just go try and kill the quarterback, and you'll be fine, dude. And they're doing a good job now. At times, and you even saw it in the Super Bowl because Troy made a great reference. I don't know if anyone saw it, but Eric Armstead did not keep contain. And of course, Patrick Mahomes sees that and just kind of you know walks out to the right, throws a 44 yard bomb. Mm-hmm. You're like, dude, but. I, the rest of the year, Eric Armstead was all over the place. I mean, the dude was, you know what I'm saying? Like, this could be a double-edged sword, but I like the benefits of having a younger guy out there, more fresh, more ready to go, more eager to get that, than to go out and pay a guy. Because you know what, too? When you pay a defensive tackle, there's a good chance he's like, man, I'm good. I made it. It, it has happened, yes. I'm it good. Has, it definitely has happened. I I'll also, bet the ball down. I also put that in the category of might spend a first-round pick on. Because I think it is important in the Zimmer defense. So I like um, that better, too. I like that idea. Because I think we do see rookies at the defensive tackle position make uh, a pretty decent impact stepping in right away if they're just raw athleticism is higher than a lot of the offensive linemen they're facing. It's hard, so, are you uh, maybe prepared for some hot routes? I don't even think you're prepared. You know who I know is definitely not? It's Jonathan. Them. Jonathan's not prepared. No, he's no, that's not a never chance. happening. Not a ch- By the way, the Thanks, first guys. question was... is. I was laughing because of all the videos that I saw from that. Oh, that was uh, a mess. Incredible. Uh, is, are we going to get Judd in here, too? Let's not. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we won't tell him. All right, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a break. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, you're listening to Purple Daily. We'll be right back on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 588! 397! That it is. Time for Hot Routes. And uh, trust me, this station here, Score North, will be talking about all the moves from the Wolves, tearing down their entire franchise and now bringing in D'Angelo Russell and moving Gorgie Jang and, and moving Andrew Wiggins, so forth, at 4 o'clock. Mackie and Judd with Rami will be coming up then. Judd is in studio now. He heard there were hot routes out. Uh, and, uh, hot routes. You told them. It's sort of like when you're walking your dog and you don't see a piece of food somewhere, but they know it's there because they sniffed it out and they just jump and grab it before you could stop them. Hot routes. That was Judd breaking in here for hot routes. So ramp it up, Jonathan. Let's go. We've got five questions that relate to the football world and the Minnesota Vikings and our enjoyment of the sport of football. We start off with this, guys. The videos from the Chiefs parade were everything you thought it would be. There was a guy whose pants were falling down who fell out of a tree. (laughs) Patrick Mahomes threw a pass to someone, and they ran into a parking meter and fell straight down like a cartoon. Mm -hmm. It was hilarious, (laughs) this parade. 
Uh, there was also a car chase. That was sort of concerning. That was the best. That was less funny than concerning. Like, I hope this person doesn't hit anyone. Uh, but yeah, there was a car chase, and the cops had to do some crazy maneuver to slam into it. So it got wild at the Chiefs Parade. If you won the Super Bowl and got to pick the place for the parade, let's say the home city couldn't do it. <laughs> so they said, Alex, where do you want to hold the parade? You just won the Super Bowl. Where would you have it, sir? Dude, I'm thinking even the Bourbon Street or somewhere in Scottsdale. I mean, you gotta you gotta go have a good time, man. You gotta just go crazy. This might be the best celebration I've ever seen on video. Like guys fully not caring what's going on around them, just <laughs> drinking beer after beer after like pouring it off two story buses on each other. Like, dude, this is how we live. And then you know, at the end, they're all hammered, and Andy Reid's like, "We're gonna be back next year." They're all like falling over each other, dude. That is how you want to go out. Philadelphia was really good. That that one was awesome. That was which Kelsey brother was that? Jason, who Jason gives yeah. the great uh, sort of wrestling uh, promo that and, he and cut. Travis was just as good. Yeah, uh, but you know what? I'm going to go with now. This would probably be predicated on this team having won the Super Bowl. But you know, your old hometown man would be wild. Oh my goodness, Buffalo! The, the number of tables Bro. that would I mean, be people broken. would die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, which, which die. is unfortunate. People die. die, and I'm not even kidding. Just in like home games. Yeah. Okay. Like people have well, actually I've seen died. We know. I don't know how they're Getting not paralyzed. Home I don't know how they're yeah. not paralyzed in Buffalo. But anyway, <laughs> if you could give me a place that I'd like to see that that parade yeah. on TV too, I want no part of that parade because I can't go there. I'd be scared. Buffalo. What do you think, Jonathan? Boone said mine. My first one, Bourbon Street. So I'm going to go with my oh. second one. Give me the Las Vegas Strip. Just down Ooh, Main Street. That there. would be deadly, though. That would be for sure deadly. <laughs> the Raiders ever win a Super Bowl oh, as the God. Las Vegas Raiders, that is going to be one hell of a parade. Uh, the uh, the price of certain types of workers would probably be very high that yes. week. Um, you know, so <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I was going to say that since I grew up in a very rural town, it would be amazing to plan a parade down the Main Street of whatever random rural town was in. <laughs> That place. Like, uh, okay, so Mankato's a little bigger than this, but if you were the Vikings and you won the Super Bowl, of course you're going to do it down downtown Minneapolis, right? But if you had a parade in Give Me a Tiny Town, I don't know them around here. <laughs> like, someone from Minnesota, tell me a small town right now. Or no. Or no. Okay. If they just decided that's where we're going to do it. So everyone shows up to this tiny town and it goes down Main Street. It's like, you are the real football fans of America. Be- right? I mean, I think that would be awesome to, to completely take over some small rural town. Would they get ha- crazy, though? And have the celebration no, I, it, in a field. I want them crazy. It might get crazier. It might get crazier oh, than you think. Because r- nobody's town around. parties are nuts, yeah, too. Dude, nobody's around I, to see it. Oh, There's my God. nothing to do in rural towns but parties. So Why don't you just go to Harrison's That's town? That's so true. Can't confirm. There's nothing to do in yeah. small yeah. towns. There is nothing New to Prague, do. New Prague, right? Yes. We'd come and party on your lawn, Jonathan, and probably throw up. got a big enough deck. Let's do this. Yes. That's my Can we idea. just admit, though, that Buffalo would be the greatest place to yes, it would. Oh, walk down a Super Bowl? Especially because you're right. Because of what they went die. through. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> Four Super Bowls and all that. Um, yes, that would be great. It, They'd love it. Scott Norwood would, would have to be there. Yeah. Uh, next question for you guys. The XFL starting. Mm. I can't wait. I am going to watch the XFL. And I'm going yeah. to report on this Why show. Why wouldn't you? What is happening on the XFL? Of course you're going I'm to. I'm excited for it. Uh, apparently it's going to include betting lines in the broadcasts, which I think is a great idea. Because uh-huh. I don't know if you guys know this. This is a secret. It's actually a legal activity. People bet on football. No way. Yeah, including Al Michaels. 
I know, and he makes it quite clear. Yes, he does, uh, and so, so did Musburger yeah. for years. And then Musburger went to work in Vegas to talk about betting on stuff. So uh, if you guys had like $5 billion like Vince McMahon and you were running your own football league that was, of course, eventually going to burn into the ground, um, what would you include that the NFL doesn't have? So they're going to have these betting lines. What would you have, Judd, that the NFL does not have? Oh, boy. So like a, a TV Element of some sort. It, it could be. It's anything that the NFL doesn't have that you want included. You know what I would have? I would have players and coaches mic'd up, and I would have an alternative broadcast so it didn't have FCC violations. <laughs> I'm serious. Broadcast that you could pay oh, like yeah. five bucks for, unedited, just raw feed. Ooh. And hearing guys like Alex Boone, who I'm willing to bet told a nose tackle or a defensive tackle or a defensive end or two what they could do with themselves, <laughs> I think from a fan standpoint, I'd love to hear that by play. I was mostly talking to more of the refs. That was mostly. I'd like to hear that too. Where to, where to stick it, dude? That, what, what do you think, be, Alex? Hey, hockey Lee, take those pie. Nah, never Ed. Never Ed. I got hussy one time, but he got me back. Don't worry. He threw his hat at me. <laughs> Not cool. Not cool, dude. Uh, I think I would get rid of something. I want to seriously get rid of replay. I want to see what football's like without it. And if I'm Vince McMahon, I'm like, you know what? I'm trying this experimental league. We have no replay here. I want to see it. I like it. No, I like it. And I and I have ranted before on the show about how replay is grown into this monster that's eating us all to death every single Sunday. And I just want it to go away. So I think that's a great pick. What do you think, Jonathan? Mine's along the replay lines, except mine would be with replay. I want that conversation between the ref and the replay booth mic'd up. I want to hear it. Ooh, I want to hear what they're talking about. That's a good one. That's I a love really that one. Good, because think about it. All you would need is someone to be like, I don't know. And then it'd be like, anarchy. People would be like, well, he wasn't sure. Then he was. Like, That's why they'll never do that. I want because, the transparency, oh, transparency involved with yeah. having the booth and the ref mic'd up talking about what they're what they're reviewing there. There was some of that from the Super Bowl, a clip that came out of the uh, referee going over to the yeah. replay booth for the Super Bowl. Where he, I'll just paraphrase. He was saying, boy, that's a close one. Yeah, He said it in a unique and weird fashion. But Very it was weird. A, you know, something about a gnat and a barrel, but I'm just not even going to go there. Uh, so I would put, and I, I think as a former NFL player, you're going to hate this, Alex, but no. I would put in the college overtime rules into my football league. I want those overtime cool shootouts. I want it to get wild. I want to go seven overtimes and just have teams going back and forth like crazy till we have a wild ending. Let's finish this thing with just all red zone going back and forth. No, hey, wait, though. Can we back him up to the 35? Sure, yeah, whatever. Dude, do whatever let's you want. make it fair. <laughs> it's your league. I've got another one. What do you guys think about like the Hawkeye technology like they have in tennis where – where you were referencing the referee going over and looking at the replay no. to see whether the ball yeah, crossed the yeah, line. Yeah, chipping the ball. They yeah. should have that. There's no reason the NFL shouldn't have that by now. If tennis can figure it out, then... Yeah. It's just too expensive, right? Football can figure out. Probably. That's they're, why they, they don't, don't do a lot it's of footballs, NFL. right? It's a yeah. $10 billion industry. They're going to Even put more than that. They're, they're going to put trackers in hockey pucks for yeah. next season. The NFL if, can do that. If you can put on. a tracker in a hockey puck... It's not going to be that hard on a football. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next question for you guys. Is there any chance Joe Burrow tells the Bengals that he will not play for them? There's like a bunch of weird quotes that keep coming out about this where they asked his dad, and his dad was like, well, I'm, I'm not saying he won't play for the Bengals, but I'm not saying he won't won't not play for the Bengals. <laughs> uh, it's getting hysterical. Let's, anyway. let's say that Burrow 
is pulls an Eli Manning. I'm not mm. playing for the Bengals. What team should he demand to play for that's realistic? Like everyone would be like, uh, Patriots. But I mean, what's what's realistic for Joe Burrow if he's demanding? I will only play for blank. I love it. What do you, you think, Judd? Do you mean to go first? Uh, you know where I'm going to go? I'm going to go because I like this coach, and I think he's a really good quarterback coach, and I think he's stuck with the guy that's just a, a complete train wreck. I'm going to go Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Stole my thought. Ah. Sorry, man. It's all good. I got Sorry. One. I got a backup. All right. What's the backup? Well, you, that's it? You're just going to say the Buccaneers? Well, I just I think that working with Bruce Arians for a young quarterback, especially one who, who has talent and potential, w- would be ideal. And again... If Burrow goes to Cincinnati, I'm not saying he's destined to fail, but man, when you're practicing below a freeway with a franchise like that, a lot of things can go wrong. Yeah. Uh, you love that. Well, I just he I want it. I want I want to give it's these guys bad. I want to give these guys an opportunity to start in a place where they're surrounded by competence. Uh-huh. I don't think that's too much to ask, and what, they bring that in Tampa with Bruce Arians, I should say. You say that, but then again, you remember this is the worst team in the NFL last year. Like There is no confidence. That's right. why they're picking number one. Mm-hmm. I agree with you because I like the receivers down there, and I think that if there was a coach, like you said, B.A. and Joe Burrow seem like they have the same kind of energy, you know, wild dogs, not afraid to say what they got to say and do what they got to do. But here's another place. What about New Orleans? Hey, man, listen, I like it here in Louisiana. I want to stay here. Drew Brees is about to be a free agent. We're going to see what happens. I mean, Imagine if he was like, yo, Saints, I want to play for you guys. I don't want to go to Cincinnati. Like, trade everything to Cincinnati for me. What, would they? Well, you got to think, like, now we're talking about an old changing of the guard. Like, dude, we could have one of the better quarterbacks in a, in a while. Like, a dude that's been shown he can throw the ball, he can sling it. We got some receivers here. He's going to be cheap so we can add some more pieces to our defense and our receiving core. Like, oh, man, this is. I like the Bucks first, and I like the Saints second. Jonathan? Uh, if I'm him, I'm going outside of the AFC, literally anywhere in the NFC because of the quarterback situation in the AFC. You mean Mahomes? Yeah, Mahomes. <laughs> basically, you had to go through Mahomes. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun. But if I'm choosing the AFC, it's going to be the Raiders because if you can be the quarterback in Las Vegas, you, you you're just like La- yeah. Yeah. yeah, you just, I just like, like this Las whole Vegas, thing yeah. that things are going to be off the rails in Las Absolutely. Vegas. If you can be the guy in Las Vegas, oh, the first guy, oh. and for a young man to go yeah. there, that's yeah. a perfect place. Real stable environment. <laughs> No temptation. Don't get in any trouble. No. You're telling me the Raiders no are a stable life, franchise? No nightlife, no women. It'll be perfect for them. <laughs> oh, God. The Raiders. Um, so I'm, <laughs> Listen to Boone. He's like, yeah, I'd like to play for Las Vegas. Love Jonathan it. wants the world to burn in Vegas. <laughs> yes, which absolutely. I was thinking the, sort of a, di- a completely different way. If you're Joe Burrow and you're a very mature young man, let's say, you mm. think, send me to an organization with a great coach, with an unbelievable history, in a place that players maybe don't get in as much trouble as they will in Vegas, where I can sit for a year and then fully learn the game behind Ben Roethlisberger, mm. send me to mm. Pittsburgh mm-hmm. because it's a all-time great organization with phenomenal ownership, one of the best fan bases in sports, a great place to play. If you win there, you are a god there forever, and you can sit behind an all-time great quarterback for a year and, and then go in. I like that situation for him. Because I just I, I now really like the sit for a year situation with almost anyone because the game is so complicated. Yeah. Um, but especially if I'm picking my organization, that's kind of what Eli did. He said, you know, send me to an organization with a great history like the Giants and not the San Diego Chargers. Uh, next question for you guys: The Panthers released Greg Olson, and now he's looking for a new team. I think he's one of the most underrated players of the last decade. Like a dominant, he used to kill the Vikings end. in yeah. Chicago, just really destroy good. him. 
Uh, I want you guys to give me another player from this decade. You know we love talking about 90s guys here, but how about this decade? Who's totally underrated, great player, does not get the attention that they deserve. Alex, you'd probably have a lot of teammates or former teammates, teammates or guys yeah. that you played against that might fall into this category. For sure, Who one might guy you that, say? For sure, the one guy that stands out is Delaney Walker. I've said this before. He was our second tight end, and the dude was incredible. But I want to talk about two guys that came out of Miami this year that I think are very underrated. One of them's Minka Fitzpatrick over to the Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Good play. I think that once he left there, he had, what, an interception in like five straight games? Kind of. Could have used him here. I'm just saying. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> kind of really incredible. Yeah, like, I'm trade it for him. And nobody knew where to put him down there. Like, that's what's even more crazy to me. And then another guy is Ryan Tannehill. And I know he hasn't done a lot, but what he did this year with like eight games and took them to the playoffs, like, that's one of the more underrated players. And you got to think, like, what did Miami do so wrong that they couldn't have done that with him? Like, dude. This wasn't even really that hard. They just were like, hey, man, hand it to him, and then every couple plays, just throw it to that guy. They were like, all right, great. We can do that. That's no easy. Chad? Trying to think off the top of my head, a guy that I like a lot who doesn't get the recognition that he probably deserves. I'm trying to think on the Vikings of who that that would would be. Oh, you know know who's got a good one? Who's that? B-Rob. I felt like B-Rob was always underrated. Because B-Rob was really important to the defense. And I knew more than anybody how important he was. Like He was one of the field generals at that time. And he was very underrated. And we were talking about interior pressure when he used to rush over the guard on third oh, downs. Hated it. That would be really problematic. And that was a great use of, right. of him, too. Wow. Him, Tom Johnson so rushing in the middle was very tough. I, I want to say oh. they started that actually when... Who, who, who was it in the mid-2000s who the, the Giants moved inside? Was it Jason Pierre-Paul? They, they, yeah. moved, they moved an end inside. Mm-hmm. And, and Tuck. And, and Tuck. Yeah, no, Tuck is correct. And then Frazier copied that with B-Rob. Yeah. Uh, until this year, when he probably did get the recognition he deserved previously, I'd say Eric Kendricks. Because we were oh, all, yeah. always talking oh, about Anthony sure, Barr, yeah. Anthony Barr, this year. And look, okay, he's a nice player. He's a good player. But until this year, it was sort of like, and Kendricks is nice. He's okay. He does this or, or that. Eric Kendricks is a, a really good player. So I'd say Vikings-wise, he's probably a guy that until 2019 did not get the attention he deserved. Jonathan? Mine's along the lines of the conversation you guys had last segment. Darren Sproles, he was so oh, good at coming out of the slot. You could put him anywhere, and they did in San Diego, New Orleans, Philadelphia. They put him all over the place. And over his career from 2007 to 2016 when he was in his prime, he averaged 4.9 mm-hmm. yards a rush and 8.8 yards a reception. He was You couldn't cover him. I'm going to go with a player who the New England Patriots, in their way, let go. And since they let him go, he's had 11, 17, 13, and 19 sacks season by season. Let him go. Chandler Jones. That is correct. (laughs) Chandler Jones is one of the most ridiculously great players in his position. Has 96 career sacks. Has just been consistently doing it. One of those where... Maybe the Patriots should have paid him, but, you know, whatever. It's turned out great for them because it usually does because they have Tom Brady and they cheat. Uh, but he had 19 <laughs> sacks this year, and you didn't hear a thing about it. He forced eight fumbles this season alone by himself, and nothing, not a peep Dude, about Chandler Jones. He's awesome. Like He is one of the greatest people in the history of the NFL, in my book, Like in terms of like quality person, great guy, funny to be around. And then think about his family. One of his brothers a UFC fighters who yep. held the belt for however long. And then his third brother, what, plays in the NBA? Does he? I yeah. didn't know that. I didn't There's realize that. There's three of them, and they're all professional athletes. Oh, wow. All of them. And they're all, like, the top of their – like, dude, they're 
he was incredible to be around. There are a lot of guys named Jones, so you could have fooled me with him having a no, brother. I used to make fun of him for it. They were laughing at him about it. Like, what happened to you? How come you didn't play baseball or something? They were like, why would you play football? He was like, I don't know. I enjoyed it. All right, final question for you guys here for this episode of Hot Routes. The uh, Chiefs used the play from the 40s to help them win the Super Bowl, which I'm sure, as a former offensive lineman, you thought was great. It's just like, mm. let's, let's do something old school on fourth and one uh, to help them win the Super Bowl. If Gary Kubiak called you up and said, give me one play, the Super Bowl's on the line, what play should I do? Now, you don't need to, of course, give the play call because we don't know them. Yep. But what concept, what would you want to use if Gary needed your help to call a play in the Super Bowl? Where's the ball? That's a great question. Let's say it's the same as same situation as the Chiefs okay, were in. So you're, you're in the red zone. You're at the goal line. Not necessarily on the goal line, but you're in the red zone. You need a play that's going to get you in the end zone. You need a difference maker. What's it going to be? Let's go. Come on, guys. What do you think? Don't get scared now. You, are, I mean, I got the great answer right now. Oh, okay, then go, go ahead. Yeah. Go oh, ahead. okay. Yeah, the great so back, answer, go. So check this out. Back when I was in college, this is the funniest story, but it's really not because it's tragic. We lost to Florida, and we lost terribly. But they ran this play where it was Tim Tebow, and they were all being silly. And I think it might have actually been Hernandez was the tight end. And they did this fake run, and the running back took it and like ran up the middle, and then he stopped and he threw it to the tight end. And I was like, dude. We really didn't see that. Did anyone else see that the Titans ran it again this year against the Chiefs and it scored? Yes. They ran it in the yes. playoff. They yep. had, yeah. Yep. And I was Derrick like, Henry dude, touchdown. Right. if I'm going to win a game and it's got to be on something crazy, that's what I'm doing. Because that play, you never see it, but it is so believable. Like, everyone's going to suck up the minute you give it to the running back. And then all of a sudden, he just shoots it right over to the tight end. Dude, incredible. Oh, I am going from from the distance that you're talking about, where the Chiefs were. I'm going with the Fat Man Special, no question about it. Okay, yeah. Brian oh. o- O'Neill, Brian O'Neill, played tight end at one time, yep. right? Yep. So did Garrett Bradbury, and he's yep. a, and so so we are talking about athletes here. We're not talking about guys who just block. I am going with the Big Man Special, man. There's nothing better because when they catch that pass, you know what they do? The greatest spikes of all time. An offensive lineman, it's catching oh, yes. a pass. Yes. What do you think, Jonathan? If we're going in from close, it's going to be just handed off right to the fullback and have him just smash into that line. My original answer when we got the question, because there was no stipulation on where the ball was. I'm sorry. No, that's that all is. right. That's all right. No stipulation. Was, no. I'm not sorry. Go ahead. That's a stipulation. Was, I, I wanted to run the hook and ladder like Boise State did oh, against, you could do that in the red against zone. Oklahoma. Ooh. Why not? Yeah. yeah, you could do that in the red zone. You got tight space, but... Yeah, but whatever. Fun. I mean, if you're if back you can, at the 20 or something. If you can execute that play in one of the, in the biggest game of the year, I'm all for it. Do it. First of all, I'm giving it to Marshawn. It would be the yeah, correct answer. <laughs> I'm giving it to well, Marshawn. Then Daryl Bevel's not um, your friend. No, yeah. he is not. No. But you know, one of the great things all time in football is a naked bootleg at the goal line where nobody thinks the quarterback has it. And he's just walking into the end zone. So Peyton Manning, the slowest person in the history it. of the NFL, pulls the greatest fake and just walks it into the end zone. And there was even a touchdown. SB Nation did a great breakdown of this where Steve Bono had a 70-yard touchdown run because everyone thought the running back had the ball. They piled everyone into the box, jumped on the running back. No one knew Steve Bono had it, and he ran for a 70-yard touchdown. I love a quarterback... This. The, the breakdown of it is great. There's, like, no video because it's from 94. So they found some, like, really wonky video of it. But oh, it's, it's the best. It's the best. Uh, but it happened. And Steve the 94 season was so awesome. Run. 
Yeah. Um, no, yeah, the 90s are the best. So um, <laughs> anyway, the, the naked bootleg when he fakes it and you're like, oh, they stopped the running. Oh, the quarterback the has it. Yeah, uh, it was 1991. Steve Bono oh, yeah. for the San Francisco 49ers had a 78-yard rush. Former Viking, right? I think. Is that right? Incredible. Didn't Bono play here for a while? Let me check that again. Uh, yeah, I think he played here for a little bit. Mm, maybe not. Okay. I'd Sorry, 76-yard run. In, 19, in 1995. Sorry, okay, but still, yeah, yeah, still. So 95 for Kansas City at a 76-yard run. Totally normal stuff. Anyway, that's your hot routes for today. I love hot routes. Love them. Booney, I love hot routes, there's, man. There's nothing better. Really, um, there is not. Judd, are you going to stick around? Because I had a fun idea earlier that we debated about Delvin Cook. If it's okay with Alex Boone, I'll stick around because when I came in initially, he sounded a little bit disgruntled. No, I'm excited. You're fired up today. Let's yeah, do it. He, he right. did a pretty good job on Hot Routes. All, All right, right, let's take a break. We'll come back, and at 4 o'clock, it will be Mackie and Judd with Rami and just full-on breaking down everything that's happened for the Wolves. The best I can tell you is that Wiggins is gone and literally no one else is on the team. Like, D'Angelo Russell is here, but... No players you've heard of are on the basketball team right now. That's the best breakdown. So four to six, they'll be talking all about what the Wild have done today. We'll continue the football discussion when we return here on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to Purple Daily in just a moment. But first destination, Winter St. Paul. Featuring the Wells Fargo Winter Skate and the Securing Financial Superslide is open now through February 22nd at CHS Field in St. Paul. The Wells Fargo Winter Skate opens daily at 11 a.m. and the Securing Financial Superslide is open Thursday through Sunday. For more information, visit scorenorth.com, keyword winter. Mackie and Judd with Rami will have all your coverage that you could ever want of the Andrew Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell trade coming up at 4 if you missed it. The big deal was Andrew Wiggins, a top three protected 2021 first round pick and the Wolves 2021 second round pick is heading to Golden State for the Warriors, D'Angelo Russell, Jacob Evans and Amari Spellman. Also in Wolves news, Gorgie Jang is off to Memphis with James Johnson coming to the Wolves from Memphis, according to John Krasinski of The Athletic. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Okay, I got to just take a deep breath here before I explain this one to you guys. Oh, boy. So the 49ers had a press conference today, and uh, they were asked, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, about why Shanahan did not call a timeout at the end of the first half, which could have potentially given them a shot at scoring more. Now, in a regular old Sunday game against, let's say, the Giants, you're playing the Giants, and you just think, you know, let's... Let's run it to the end of the half and not take any risks here because we don't want to get embarrassed by the Giants. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll take care of this in the second half because we're the better team. That's what you would do against a bad team or a team maybe you're even equal to. The other team, though, has Patrick Mahomes. And when you give up opportunities to score and Patrick Mahomes is the other quarterback, you lose the Super Bowl. Like, that's how it happens. That's Bill O'Brien having a chance to go up 28 to nothing and saying, eh, you know, let's go up 23 or whatever it was, 24. Let's go up 24. We could go up 28 if we go for it on fourth and one, but let's just play it safe. You play it safe against Patrick Mahomes, you lose. Yep. That, like, if Michael Jordan is on the other side and you're going to run out the clock on him because you're up 10 points with three minutes to go, he's going to come back and beat you because that's what the all-time great players do. So 
Shanahan. And the great part was that John Lynch was shown up in the press box being like, call a timeout. And uh, today, the, he was like, no, I would never second guess what Kyle was doing. <laughs> and uh, Shanahan would not even acknowledge that it might not have been the wrong moves. That, you know, he has no regrets and all that sort of thing. And you know what? Like, congratulations. I guess you could take your pride into the offseason, but you ain't taking a trophy because you played it conservative and let the other great quarterback beat you. So I just a little just wanted to rant a little about that because it was a justifiable move in most situations to just run out the clock at the half, but not against that quarterback. I don't know if you guys disagree with that. What did John? What did John Lynch say when I'm sure confronted with the fact that TV showed him saying "call a timeout"? Uh, I would have to go back and look at the exact quote, but he was basically saying like, "Oh no, I wouldn't second guess it now or whatever." Okay. So, mm-hmm. did, did you at that time during the game, uh, Alex? Were you thinking, "Why aren't you guys calling a timeout to try and score again?" Yeah, I think when you have that lead, you, like you said, unless you're up like 50 to nothing against Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, you don't have a lead. Like You're somewhat playing at his equal level. He's just kind of waking up. And The the problem I have with this, though, is that game could have went so differently, and then he'd be facing so many different questions. Like Everything now yeah. about him is going to be that narrative, is that he can't finish the game because he makes these silly mistakes at certain times, or he doesn't run the ball enough, or he threw it too many times, or he did this, or he did that. It's, like, it's just like, dude, listen, man, they lost the game. Okay, You're right. He should have called a timeout. He should have realized, hey, man, this is the biggest game of my life because I'm the head coach in the Super Bowl now, and now I can't mess it up for my team because God knows when we're going to get back here, so we're going to put our foot on the pedal. Like I always felt that a coach that had his foot on the gas the whole time, you could never really come back at them. Like, man, we had that game, and you were still trying to go at their throat. Like, yeah, dude, that's football. That's the whole game. Like, it doesn't matter if you're up by one point, if you're up by 50 points. The, the objective is to continue scoring until someone cries or taps out. And that's <laughs> never happened. So yeah. you're never at a comfortable lead. So you're right when you play a conservative and you're like, well, we'll take a knee and we'll just go in. Like, you're like, dude, whoa, 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 dude, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, what are you doing, man? This is supposed to everything you want. You want to, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And you certainly didn't do that. And it was impressive to see Andy Reid go for it a couple of times on 4,000 when he's the guy that gets crazy. Criticized so much for the way he manages games. And in that one, Andy Reid was everything he needed to be. And they end up coming out with the win, and the 49ers don't. And I guess if you're going to take a lesson away when you play Patrick Mahomes, if you get up, uh, there is no killing him. Like nope. he's a, what, what is it, a phoenix that comes back from the dead or whatever? Yes. Like that's him. Rise the, from the ashes? The, the, it's, uh, I may have said it before, but the best stat that I think I have ever seen is. That Mahomes was five and zero this year when trailing by double digits. Uh-huh. Kurt Warner was two and forty four in his career and is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> How We've crazy already said is it. That? How he's crazy got, is that? He's already got his bus being made. You yeah. have to. The dude's an MVP, a Super Bowl winner, and a Super Bowl MVP. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I mean, he's even got. It's almost enough hardware right now to even have an average career the rest of the way and get talked about like Eli Manning. Hey yo. So anyway, all right, let's. Go. <laughs> Um, Jed, earlier in the in the show, I brought this up to Alex, and then it took me a little while, but convinced him this was a great idea. All right. Uh, with a lot of running back contracts going bust, everyone is concerned, naturally, about signing Delvin Cook to a long-term contract. Mm-hmm. But if I could promise you that Delvin Cook would get 100 targets per year and only 150 rushes until he was 
28 to 29 years old. That's what his next contract could take him through. And, of course, it's going to be expensive. It's going to be $15, $14 million a year. And, of course, they're going to mess around with the salary cap to try and make it a little less this year and next year and then you know screw themselves later. But uh, if I told you that that was the case, if he was going to be a massive weapon in the passing game and they were going to let other people like Alexander Madison do a lot of the pounding in, in the running game, would you be more apt to sign Dalvin Cook to that extension. And what what are the terms again? Uh let's say he's gonna, talking about? let's say he's going to make 15 million dollars a year. A lot. But he's also going to be targeted 100 times in the passing game. And here's the reason that I brought that up yep. is because the expected points added when throwing to Delvin was almost the same as Diggs and Thielen this year, meaning mm-hmm. that you were as effective mm-hmm. essentially when you targeted those guys mm-hmm. as when you targeted Delvin. Uh, my answer would be no, and here's why I'm not. Because in three years, he has yet to prove that he can stay consistently healthy enough. And so if I'm going to target him that much, I'm going to assume that he gets hurt again. And, you know, let's say he's let's say he is full uh, De- Delvin Cook in any way, shape, or form for ten games, plays an extra two or three games where he is hobbled but trying to play, and then sits out three games or so. That's going to take its toll ultimately. And so, again, if I have to do a long-term extension... That's going to cause me salary cap angst. I get your point, but I'm still not doing it based on that. Mm. Okay, so even if he was made into a weapon where you could put in the slot, and yeah, like a Percy Harvin could, type right, of and yeah, you, right, right, and you saying. could and you could run, um, you know, him and Alexander Madison at the same time. I would love to do it, but my problem is if I go with a rich long-term contract with a lot of guaranteed cash, which he's mm-hmm. going to want regardless. I'm ba- I'm, if he was healthy consistently, my answer would be much closer to, you know what, I'd do that. But I just don't ever think this guy's going to get through a complete season without being dinged to a fairly significant amount for about six, five to six games, and that worries me. Alex, how real is it to be injury-prone in the NFL? Is that a re- so hard. Is, is that a, I mean, is it, not, is it not hard, but I mean, is it real? Like, do you... Yeah. Th- do you think that certain players just get injured more than others? Yeah, no, uh, I think certain positions get hurt more than mm-hmm. others. You're, dude, you're talking about the one position that gets hit almost every single play, and at times yeah. people are trying to not just hit you, but like they got to stop you at all costs. And especially when you talk about a guy like Dalvin, like once you say, "Hey, listen, guys, we're playing Dalvin Cook this week," like in their mind they instantly go to, "Okay, well, this isn't just a wrap up, dude. Like this is a, I got to put him down type of dude, and everyone's going to have to help us." So he's going to be taking a lot of fierce shots coming up because everyone, number one, he's already made a name for himself. Number two, defense is already afraid of him. And now everyone's got to prove that they're not going to let him run all over him. So I agree with what Judd's saying. I just think that sometimes, you know, this position, like we we said before, is so interesting because of what's been going on with these guys that we just talked about. David Johnson and and, uh, Todd Gurley and all these guys. Like it's We're at the same crossroads. Like, dude, what do you do with a great running back who could possibly have a really nice career if you do, yes, let up the gas on him a little bit? Could he still be a fierce, you know, in the backfield? Absolutely. But there's also the possibility that this doesn't get any better. Like, this is it. Like, this was, we've seen the ceiling, and then all of a sudden, now it's got to go start going back down. And that's a scary thought going into this season. Let me change the formula a little bit for you, Judd, and okay. tell me if this convinces you more or not at all. Let's say that the Vikings know what they have in Kirk Cousins and decide they're going to move on. They're going to draft a quarterback this year, and that guy is going to be the quarterback from 2021 to at least 2025. Let's just say, 
Does that change your mind on paying Delvin? Because that cap space all of a sudden becomes more that you could throw around. Right. I mean, think about Kansas City with Sammy Watkins. He's a 50-catch receiver who is getting paid like a top-five receiver, and you would never say that was a good deal, but... I mean, Patrick Mahomes wasn't making any money, so it was fine to spend stupid money on a number three receiver who can only help you a little, but comes up huge, you know, in in the Super Bowl. So you you have a little more leeway to spend kind of crazy money when you are not giving it all to the quarterback. It changes my mind a little bit, but I still come back to how many games can this guy play effectively yeah. and healthy, and so. I, I love the thought of, of having a quarterback on a rent control contract. I think that is fantastic. And so if you give me that, yes, we can then start to discuss positions where previously I would probably say we just can't spend that much. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go back to guys who get hurt and how much they scare me and and how much I can't rely on them, even if they try to play through injury, being successful or effective consistently. And so, because I love, if, if we were talking about a really durable player, yeah, I, I love this thought process. And, and the multi-positional thing, to me, is a definite trend that the league has to a certain degree and should embrace more and more. But I'm probably not going to make it a, a Delvin Cook. I'm also scared because of the fact that, as Doogie has reported, it sounds like they're going to be looking for Zeke money. Yes. And yeah. that yeah. that right there really frightens there's, me. Yeah, there's no question about that. Now, let me throw this out there and tell me if you agree with it, Alex, that if you're going to bring in a rookie quarterback after Kirk Cousins and you're going to hand him the keys to the car and say, all right, buddy, this is your thing. You sat behind Cousins for a year, Jalen Hurts, and now let's play ball. And guess what? Also, uh, yeah, you got to win, too, because we have a lot of really good players and this franchise has high expectations. Don't you want to give him every bit of the supporting cast that he could possibly have? And maybe that's not Delvin. Maybe you say, oh, just draft another guy. But Delvin is on a different level. And there are a lot of bust running backs, for sure. But there are also a lot who have been good into their late 20s. Not usually into their 30s. But late 20s, there have been a lot who have been very, very good. And I was bringing some up earlier. Guys like you know Marshall Falk or even Tiki Barber was a, a guy who was able to play late into his 20s and even early 30s and be a huge impact player. I, I think putting everything you possibly can around a rookie quarterback is really, really important. you agree with that, Alex? 100%. I think that when you talk about it, their, their salary helps you put pieces around them. So if you talk about bringing in a young quarterback, well, then you can afford to pay Dalvin because, like you said, it kind of just turns into a silly money year where it's like, listen, we don't have to pay this guy now, but we're going to have to pay him down the road. But while we don't have to pay him now, let's get everybody else around him paid up. That way everyone's happy. But, dude, you're talking about Zeke money? Like, that's... I know Zeke set the bar, and I know that Dalvin is absolutely worth more than that, but it is such – I think that people don't understand how these GMs are now looking at it like, man, that's that's $100 million this running yeah. back wants, yeah. and he might only last one year. Like, At what point are you like, listen, dude, like we can do a year-to-year thing or we can do it however we got to do it, but $100 million to spend on a guy who's getting beat up and bruised up a lot and might have to miss some games and might have to miss some time because he's not healthy, and like that's – that's serious coin to be talking about. And then you're saying on the other end, like, hey, listen, if we don't get it, we might not show up. Like, that's also a risk that you take as an offense. Like, well, if he doesn't show up, how important is he? Like, is he going to be the whole reason, the whole pillar that makes us crumble? Or is he going to be like, hey, listen, we got another one waiting behind him at this time. We're fine. Like, man, that's, that's some serious coin. I think it's a really hard uh, place to be in as 
the running back. Because, I was going to say, it's Dalvin. Yeah, That's tough. right. You, lo- you look at what you've done and you go, man, I was the centerpiece of the offense last year. I took all the hits for you guys. Thanks, Literally. Kirk, with all your receivers running wide open because linebackers were falling all over themselves every time you faked me the ball. And then you go, uh, do I deserve some money? I think so. And, and everyone goes, oh, no, no, no. You're not actually good at football. <laughs> like, wait a minute, but I was ranked, you know, number one in this. this oh, no, 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 no. We could just replace you with anyone. That's the like, problem, yeah. Yeah, and, but you're good. You're good at football. You you just play what in this league is now considered what I call a disposable position. So you can see where the 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 disconnect is, Alex, with with the players and their agents of saying my guy is super valuable, and you built your whole offense around him, and the team's going, yeah, but these contracts always blow up in people's faces. Right, and that's why you have to find something. But like you said, if you're going to go with a a young quarterback, you can make that kind of push towards, hey, listen, we can be a little crazier this year because we do have our young quarterback. Or at times, we are going to have less cash over here, so we'll have time to fill him up. But I think that, listen, I'm not going to say that Dalvin's going to be a bust because I have a lot of faith in Dalvin. I think that, number one, he's extremely mentally tough. Like I think if you're going to play this running back position, a lot of these dudes out here are kind of posers. They pretend like they're tough, and they're not. I know for a fact I've sat in a huddle with them, and I'm like, dude, really? This is it? This is what you got? (laughs) But Dalvin's different. You hear it in his voice. You hear the way he says things like, listen, I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be fine. And he was right. He was fine. And they just didn't give him the ball enough. But Going forward, I think that those are traits that when you're looking at it, you're saying, listen, there's not going to be a bust. He's going to do everything he can to be out there. He's going to do everything he can to stay healthy. Yeah, he's got some history injuries. But Delvin has to understand, too, that like injuries at his position are different. It's not like an old lineman who's got a sprained ankle. It's like, dude, you've, you've had some injuries that we worry about, shoulders, knees. Those are things that are important to a running back, right? And you have to work with us a little bit, Delvin, too. And I think that that's going to be the sticking point is, where do you bend? Who's going to bend? Who's going to kind of cave? And who's going to be the first to be like, listen, let's find common ground before this becomes a problem? Because right now, you're talking about if we're all in, we have to get a couple pieces and we've got to be all in and spend money where we can. But he's a huge piece to that. So you're going to have to find common ground for him to be happy, number one, so he has success on the field and off the field. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And that about his personality, they've been so sold on him as a person that they're going to look at him and say, I think he could be the outlier. And it's very dangerous. And that's why my scenario, I kind of like it, because it's reducing the really tough hits on him, which is where you, you you get the outside zone run and linebackers are flying through and they're hitting your legs and everything else. Uh, with the when you're catching the ball out of the backfield, it's just a, it's just a different type of hit you're taking. It's often you know maybe you, you get a screen right. A linebacker is chasing you down from behind as opposed to coming downhill and smacking you face to face. And and that might be part of the reason that the running backs who are often featured in the passing game are able to survive a little bit longer because they're just not taking the same level of pounding. But also. It can be random, too. You never know when uh, one injury is going to be the one that really gets you. So his ACL injury didn't slow him down, but the shoulder might have. And the wear and, and tear yeah. has to be cumulative, right, yeah. Alex? It is, but that's the thing. is like Everything's so mitigated by the offseason. And what you do in the offseason, how much you take care of your body. Some of the guys that you see there playing till they're like 40, they're constantly just spending tons of money on their bodies. Like, i got to get healthy. i got to mm-hmm. get right. Dalvin seems like that guy. That's why I'm actually kind of – I think his future is brighter than people think it is because he is so into himself, and you hear him and the confidence in his voice. A lot of those running backs, they'll talk like that, but they don't really mean it, and you can see it when they run. Dalvin's different. He's like, listen, I might be hurt, but I'm still going to run through you. I think that this team, they, they're going to find common ground. There's no question. But I think they're also going to have to find a way, like you said, to limit his hits 
head on. Like, there's ways to get him the ball like you've been talking about without yeah. having to hand him the ball and be like, listen, go through the A-gap. Right. Like, there's ways to get him in space, and then he can gather speed again. And then you're talking about safeties and cornerbacks trying to bring you down instead of, like, you're talking about defensive linemen bringing you down, like Linval Joseph, who just love running right into running backs like that to <laughs> prove that they're bigger than the running back. You know what I'm saying? Like, once you've made a name for yourself, now people have a reason to hit you and hate you, and now they're going to be like, listen, we got to stop this kid at all costs. All right, um... I want to move on from this conversation because we'll be having it throughout the offseason to uh, the ESPN way too early Super Bowl picks for next year's Super Bowl because I want to go through them and have you guys tell me how realistic they are uh, to end the show here. So uh, everybody on ESPN, all their writers, they did these a bunch of predictions. So you have like Mina Kimes and our friend Kevin Seifert, Field Yates, all, all their experts. And some of these Super Bowl picks are pretty plausible, and others are like, uh, what? So I'm going to go one by one for these ESPN personality picks, and I want you guys to just react and tell me if you think that it's either totally realistic or completely ridiculous. The first one by Matt Bowen is Chiefs over Cowboys next year. What do you guys think? Chiefs over Cowboys. How realistic is that? I mean, I like it. I think that Mike McCarthy could absolutely – listen, the Chiefs are going to be <laughs> – they're going to be scary for a while. They have the possibility of being scary. But when talking about the NFC, I think Mike McCarthy could go down there and absolutely tear it up. And like you said, it's been a revolving door on the NFC, and all of a sudden you have fresh blood in there and people feeling good. It could be interesting. Is it a misconception that McCarthy is a bad coach because of the way it ended in Green yes, Bay? I yeah, yes, absolutely. I think I mean, so. He's a good he was, coach. He's a great coach, and he was disrespected. Yeah. And I think that's why people – it was kind of like the like Riverboat Ron. Remember when he got fired, everybody was like, whoa, dude. You like you've overstepped your boundaries. Like yeah, that's that's Ron Rivera. You can't just yeah. fire him halfway through the year. Like people didn't like that. And so now that he's back there, and he's kind of got a little vengeance. And yeah, I, I like it. I think it could happen. And Jason Garrett was terrible. Yeah, God, it's I horrible. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. It got worse. But that that Cowboys team is is one in recent memory where you watch their games and said, "How does this personnel look this bad?" Right. So, yes, I, I think Chiefs-Cowboys is very plausible. Uh, Ravens over Saints is Mike Clay's pick. I, I think that we are just putting the Chiefs in the Super Bowl next year because of what Mahomes just did. But sometimes, though, sometimes with a team uh, that gets hot and they're that, oh, everyone's talking about that team, they lose in the playoffs, and then we forget about them. Almost like the Chiefs, midway through the season, we were all talking about Lamar. Nobody was paying attention to the Chiefs. And of course, Mahomes was the best. I think Lamar can keep doing this. Do you guys? Do you guys think that he can continue to be, maybe not MVP every year, but this valuable year in and year out? Harbaugh's a really good coach too. Mm-hmm. That defense is legit. Yep. Um, yes. Yeah. I think they're going to be. I think Baltimore has a nice span here of being extremely competitive and, and good. And I'm sorry, did he say Saints? Uh, yes. Oh, that's intriguing, too, because is that Breeze, is that Bridgewater? Assuming Breeze comes back is what he wrote. I, I guess I like the uh, the Baltimore part of that component more than the Saints part of the component, but it's not outlandish. Alex? I don't know about the Ravens. I, I think that this is what I worry about because I played in that exact offense, and I, I worry that once somebody sees your weakness, everybody attacks it. Mm. And I saw it with us, and it was like, man... I guess there is no plan B once we get to plan B, huh? We're just going to kind of go out and wing this thing. And, and it's it kind of runs down to that. Like, once you once you contain Lamar, what's what's plan B? 
can he can he just sit back there and throw the ball? Is your offense even capable of sitting back there and throw the ball? Like ours wasn't clearly. Yeah, but I I worry because when you show tendencies enough, people start to pick up on things, and eventually, like these these offenses kind of flame out because people go, oh, there there it is. That's that's the answer to it. You just send the defensive end right to the mesh point because if he's gonna pretend to hand it or fake it. If you rush up that process, if you speed it up, what naturally happens? Errors, right? Like all of a sudden the quarterback gets panicked, someone's running after him, the running back gets panicked, he starts to fumble the ball a little bit. Like that's how you stop an offense like this. So it kind of turns around to go, these linebackers are becoming way more athletic than they should be. Defensive ends are way more athletic than they should be. If you just attack the mesh point and then have a linebacker flow over the top, you're instantly going to stop this offense. So what's like that to me is like why it's, I, I never really. 100% get behind it because once you find the defense that's athletic enough to stop it, it's like, okay, well, now you got to throw the ball. And, you know. So I could see them going something like 11 and 5 and then making it like because they have that experience of losing. And Lamar threw the ball so well this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to change. Like the fact that he can be accurate, he can throw the ball down the field, and he's proven he could do that. There will be. More hard times, like there were for Mahomes this year, but I think that would ultimately pay off for them. So I think that's a good pick. I don't think I would take it. I think I'd probably pick the Chiefs again. Um, But I don't mind that pick. Here's another one that's really interesting from Dan Graziano. Eagles over the Colts. Now, I tend to think that the Eagles have... Landed? Uh, am I? Uh, no, yeah, okay. Oh boy, I gotta go. See you guys later. Right, Bye. Yeah, I apologize for that. Uh, but you know, last year they got everybody hurt. They still went nine and seven. Carson Wentz, we saw him really grind one out against the Vikings, and he's got a lot of talent. He was near MVP a couple of years ago before he got hurt. If he stays healthy, they're sort of an interesting team. Their division is trash, and yeah. you look at a division when it's really bad. I know we we're talking about how the Cowboys. I was gonna say is better. Dallas trash? That's yeah. my question. Well, I don't that, know. They're yeah, trash. That's true. That's true. Um, that's a hard one to pick, but Colts I love because I could see a lot of quarterback who's options. Cor- who's for the, the quarterback? I know. Is who's it Tom Brady? I don't, I don't know. But I love that pick. But I love how ballsy it is to make that pick because you don't even know who the Colts quarterback is. You just assume Frank Reich will get somebody good. Well, you know what I love about that is Frank Reich really didn't know who the quarterback was going to be because you know he came in and Andrew Luck was not feeling right and there was something yeah. going on. And then not only that, you know what else I love about Frank Reich? He was the second choice and didn't even like complain about it. Like he was like, yeah. "I'm about to do it." Like, yeah, hey, listen, Frank, totally messed up. Uh, Josh is not the guy we were looking for. You were. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, and then he just stepped right in and was like, "Yeah, we don't have a quarterback. I'm totally in on this." Like, I love that pick too because I want to see good things happen for him. Who was the NFC? Uh, it was Eagles. Eagles. The Eagles. That's a hard I, one. I mean, that's a hard one to pick for me. That's a hard pick for me, too. I do think the Cowboys are going to be leading that division just because the Giants hired a special teams coach that no one's ever heard of, and they got Jason Garrett on their staff as the OC, and that scares me. And Washington, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's Dwayne probably Haskins a five-win year, right? Yeah, I mean, five I mean does Wayne Haskins year? have it? I don't know. I mean, I, that's why I'm saying, like, I don't see the Eagles, though, getting that far with that, you know, Cowboys in their division. And then they're going to have so many other NFC teams that are going to be clamoring for the top. Now, no. several people picked the 49ers going back. Chances no. the 49ers go back. I don't think they do. NFC is just so hard. I don't hard. think they do. So I think they actually back. regress a bit. It really bit. is hard. Yeah. I think they regress a bit. Yeah, I think I it always I happens. I think the problem is going to be that they weren't, dev- they weren't relying so much on 
like when you talk about this run game, they weren't relying so much on athletes as much as they were scheme and schematically drawing things up and making it difficult for a defense and then throwing George Kittle in there and saying, hey, we're going to motion him all over the place. So you just stare at him the whole game and not at this run game. I think, like I said with Lamar, eventually people are going to pick up on that and go, all right, this is what they're really trying to do with us. We need to completely ignore this, and this will be the meat and potatoes of their offense. Can you keep that up for years and years? Yes, but you've got to be, you've got to be ahead of the curve. It's smarter than everybody. Alex Boone, Judd Zolgad, you're coming up next with oh, Mackie and Judd Russell, wall to wall. Andrew Wiggins is gone. Yep. In, in a way, a surreal day. That it's Andrew a victory. It's traded. a victory for Minnesota sports and, fans. And I also love that Alex Boone has no understanding of any of this. Not a clue. Like, not even a little bit. Uh, That's why I love the guy. He's we'll, honest. We'll connect again on Tuesday, Alex. Thanks for your time. Can't wait. And Thanks, Mackie man. and Judd with Rami will be cannot miss coming up next here on Score North. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.